This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Amy Dunphy. Now, last week in the United Kingdom, one of the biggest corporate falls of recent times, maybe of all time, happened when Bernard Looney resigned as chief executive of BP, one of the largest oil companies in the world. What was exceptional about this story was that he was very successful. He was on a salary of $10 million a year. He had a long and very distinguished career at BP, and he was from Kerry, which is unusual. And he has a record of being highly efficient and intelligent and successful, but also of addressing the issues that oil companies and fossil fuel users have to address. That is the possibility that we may get our energy another way, but he won't be around to see it. And yesterday in the Sunday Business Post, there was an excellent account of the fall of Bernard Looney. I have to say about Sunday Business Post, it is our best Sunday newspaper, in my opinion. If you go through it, there's real news stories and real good writers, and one of them is Aaron Rogan. He's the deputy editor of Sunday Business Post. He was investigative journalist of the year in 2022, and he joins us now. He wrote this piece in yesterday's Business Post. Aaron, congratulations on the piece, and indeed on paper. It's really very good now. The Bernard Looney story has everything, including sex. And when the Financial Times broke the story last week, they mentioned that there was no attempt to hide it. But can you tell us, first of all, about his rise before the fall? Yeah, well, it's, it's almost hokey, really, when you go back to, to his beginnings. He, he grew up on a, a small farm in Ashgrove outside Kenmare in Kerry, which he's described as sustenance farming. Um, he won a grant to go to UCD and study engineering. Once he completed that, he joined BP um, in his early 20s. Worked his way up a, a stream of sort of, or worked around the world on different projects, drilling and exploring, um, including on deep water projects and the sort of things, you know, that you would associate with, with big oil. And then he did a management degree in Stanford, 
So by 2005, he was a senior executive in BP Alaska, which is remarkable enough for a guy who about 15 years earlier joined the company as, a, as an engineer. And he sort of, he worked his way up the executive rigging over the next decade to first become chief executive of their upstream operations, which is one of the three pillars of, of BP, of the business. Um, and then in 2020, he replaced Bob Dudley as chief executive and really remarkably pitched himself as a sort of a, you know, a, a green oil man. Yes. Uh, he, he, he really, really, uh, you know, backed himself to make the, like it, it, it sounds sort of ridiculous that BP would be net zero by 2050, but that's what he, he staked his reputation as chief executive on. And that was his mantra over the last four years or so, or three, three and a bit years until last week's uh, downfall. Yes, and I mean, the background to this is uh, one of the factors, huge factors in this story is the story of our time where the oil companies are making vast profits and they're making vast profits because oil is scarce and they're charging their customers who are losing out while they are gaining. Isn't that really a core element in this? Yeah, I mean... BP is about 114 years old, going back to the old Persian oil company or Iranian oil company. And under Looney, they had their highest ever profits last year yes. because of the, the war in Ukraine. 23 billion pounds of profits, a yeah. double. Um, you know, and that that's not from renewables, that's from oil oil, you yes. know. So that's that's what this company is. So all the time he was sort of singing one song. But the reality was rather different. And when he was going on about renewables and getting rid of fossil fuel eventually, was he annoying other people in the business? Very much so. Right. And other people in BP and, as you say, the investors. Yeah. It, it, you know, I mean, the investors, particularly, like even with those record um, profits, the way BP has been. So for, I think we go back to 2020. When Bernard Looney set out his stall as being net uh, net zero by 2050, a barrel of oil was about $20 because of COVID and everything like that. Uh, at a crude price, it needs to get to about $40 before BP breaks even. Last year, it was up to $120 a, a barrel. Right. So the investors were going, you can talk about your renewables when it's $20 a barrel of oil, but when it's $120 a barrel of oil, get the oil out of the ground. Yeah. So BP, despite its record profits, was seen as underperforming its rivals, which hadn't made such a drastic um, attempt to pivot. Um, you know, yes. so there was, there was good figures in the Sunday Times yesterday um, where the, the, the money that a shareholder would make from an individual stock um, at BP was 98% of the, the value of the stock. In Exxon, it was 200%, and in Shell, it was 127%. Right. People who invest in BP aren't environmentalists. Right. And was this sort of shortfall attributed to Looney's stated belief in new ways of generating the energy that we require and the cutback that is the inevitable consequence of that? Yeah, it, it very much was seen by by a lot of investors and perhaps the, the most important investors and some board members as as being a result of that, um, he, you know, he, he came in 
into the job sort of there was rumors or there was you know well-placed sources saying that he planned to close a couple of oil fields back in 2020 you know that that sort of stuff didn't really materialize he did he did invest relatively heavily in renewables but then in february of last year or february of this year rather he sort of did a u-turn and said we're responding to what the consumer wants the consumer wants oil we're making money off oil and we're bp so that's okay but of course, it's not okay if you spent the last three years saying that you were going to be, be net zero by 2050. Yes, and in your piece yesterday in the Business Post, you make it clear he had this, um, one of his mantras was performing whilst transforming. Yeah. But, <laughs> there's a contradiction there that there's a circle that can't be squared. Yeah, and I mean, that mantra has been, in the last year or so, been sort of thrown back in his face. Um, it's it seemed a bit empty, you know, it seemed buzzwordy. He's even said, you know, he said himself in interviews that he sounds like a broken record saying it, but it was obviously they presumably spent some some money on getting some outside consultancy to, to draw up that messaging and they stuck yes. to it. Uh, they didn't quite perform uh, for the shareholders anyway, uh, and they didn't quite transform. So it's sort of, it will be a, an epitaph on his career that, that will ring very hollow. Now, he was a Kerry man. He is a Kerry man. He's mm-hmm. relatively young. He's 53. Was he sincere? And if he was sincere, were they therefore out to get him? Um, well, okay. Well, first of all, on his sincerity, I, I think he was. I think that, uh, like, you know, BP is no longer called British Petroleum. There was a, a former chief executive, Lord John Brown, um, who sort of pivoted away from that into being beyond petroleum. Just yes. under the name BP, they invested massively in solar. Right. That was the big renewable at the time. That went fairly poorly. Um, they divested a lot of that, only to have to come back around now and do it again in, in terms of wind and, and still some solar. There's probably a sense in BP, you know, people have long careers like Looney did at BP, that maybe if they had stuck to their guns there, they would have stolen a march on their competitors yes. and they could have been further ahead now. So I think there's a sincerity in kind of recognizing that the and that the market would have dictated this as well when he was taken over as chief executive. There's not a great future in oil and gas exploration that you're probably better off having a strong renewables arm. You know, biggest car company in the world is Tesla. Yes. You know, so it, you know that, that if, if you're a BP, yes. that should be scary. And you kind of go, what do we do here? We've been around for 114 years. How many more years will be will we be around, or, or how significant will we be around in if we stick to our guns now over the next fifty years? And I, you know, again, twenty fifty, that's I suppose it's ambitious for an oil company to be net zero. But then, but you know, Bernard Looney wouldn't have been chief executive in twenty fifty. It's, yes. it's that, that's the way these companies think. They think quarterly. So if a guy comes out and he starts talking about twenty odd years in the future, people get a bit spooked. Yes, and I spoke to a friend of mine who is an expert in this area, and she told me earlier today that the fossil fuels are not going anywhere anytime soon. Those who have invested heavily in renewables are encountering, I suppose this is a euphemism, some challenges, and some of the wind-stroke solar projects are struggling to be profitable at, at all, and recently Many of the offshore wind companies are being devalued, cancelling projects, and trying to renegotiate contracts. So this battle, and it's critical to us all, isn't it, Aaron, 
is being lost to oil and fossil fuels. It's being lost, well, to fossil yeah. fuels, certainly. And it's worth noting that, that part of uh, Looney's commitment at BP to, to being less carbon intensive was a switch to gas, because gas is less carbon intensive than, than oil. But gas isn't particularly great for the environment either. So it's, you know, it's, it's a long transition. Um, and there's a few steps on the way that aren't as uh, carbon neutral as, as a lot of people would like. Um, on the, on the, the wind energies, uh, the wind energy sector's challenges, they're, they're absolutely coming to a fore here in Ireland. Yes. Stuff's not getting off the ground. Shell has pulled out of a sponsorship with, with, or a partnership with one company in the UK, which are really trying to develop the next BP of wind. Um, they've had major projects either cancelled or stalled because the, the companies that are, are doing it are saying, we're not going to be able to make money off this in the current environment. And that's in a place where you'd have to say they're, they're probably one of the world's leaders in it. So, right. you know, it's, it, we might be depending on the Saudis to do this for us as well. Yeah, and for people working for BP or any other company that deals with fossil fuels, there is a challenge the culture and skills set required inside oil companies become devalued, don't they? Or are doomed, if you like, to become devalued. Yeah, you'd have I mean, you'd have to say that there's probably not it's probably not as labor intensive um wind farms as as oil exploration. Um although there I mean, connecting them into the the energy grid and 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 piping it around the world, wind energy will obviously develop new skills and there's probably transferable skills. But again, this is all, you know, some of it's now, but for a real pivot, it's, it's 10, 20, 30 years down the line. So a lot of people will be, you know, to be training a new generation of workers rather than, you know, transferring over current oil industry workers. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Now, if you're grandstanding, as appears to be the case to a certain extent, you're likely to offend a lot of people. And this story broke in the Financial Times, but the lurid side of it or the background we don't know about side of it. First of all, Bernard Looney was a single man. Yeah. And the Mail Online revealed that he dumped, that's their word, his wife via WhatsApp. And it appears that the unspoken, at least in the Financial Times, idea was that he was a womanizer and that he had relationships with people in the company. I'm not sure how many. I saw the number four mentioned and that that really was the reason for his resignation and departure. Yeah, but the the reason seemed to be that, you know, BP, like many big companies, um, has protocols and disclosures around personal or romantic relationships between colleagues. Um, That in May 2022, there was allegations made about Looney's relationship with colleagues to the board. They got an external firm to investigate it. There was no breach of conduct found. He made disclosures. um, And then last week, apparently another allegation was made, resulted in another round of questioning by the board. And he admitted he didn't provide details of all his relationships and accepted he should have made more complete disclosure. So there's certainly multiple relationships. There's no sense of any sort of um, mistreatment of anyone or anything like that. It was just that he didn't, as chief executive, he he wasn't fully transparent with the board when asked about the relationships in the past. Yeah, and there was also, it seems, an absence of any relationship with somebody that was working for him, to him, there didn't appear to be any conflict there, or was there? No, no, it, it, it doesn't seem to be anything like that, where he was how would you, like, having a relationship with someone who would, it would be inappropriate for yes. him to have a relationship with. It wasn't a direct employee, or, or sorry, it wasn't a direct, you know, a direct colleague. Yes. BP is a huge company, it employs about 67,000 people all around the world. So, you know, it's it's there's no sense that he that the relationships themselves were improper in any way. It's just that he didn't disclose them to the board at the time when he should have. First of all, do people feel that if he was, he clearly was a very able man, that there's a loss here for BP of somebody of real professional value? Yeah, like, I mean, he didn't rise to the the top of BP by accident. No. Um, It's it's worth noting as well that, you know, BP has such a, a long long story company this is 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 far from the the worst scandal that's ever endured it's a bit of shooting themselves loony shooting himself in the foot bp yeah. shooting itself in the foot by not being more thorough into finding out what his relationships were and all those things but he will you know 
this is, I'd imagine this is hugely embarrassing for him. You know, you don't want your no. divorce WhatsApps in the mail online. You don't want your face splashed on the, the front of the sun as it was last Friday. Yeah. Um, and pictures of your ex-wife inside and all these things. Um, but he is a very capable man. Um, by all accounts, he's uh, uh, a charming and pleasant person to yeah. deal with. He's obviously got a lot of industry experience. He's obviously got um, ambitious ideas for the future of companies. And I've very little doubt that he won't get, get some work in, in some some oil company or some energy company um, in the very near future, if he wants to. Of course, he's fabulously wealthy from his yes. career at BP. Now, as you suggest in a very, very good piece you wrote for the, your paper yesterday, being so gung-ho about net zero, um, his net zero ambitions in the opening years of his now abruptly ended tenure as BP chief executive, Looney had, as you put it, painted himself into a corner and the climb down had damaged confidence in his future leadership. So he was, if I get this right, he was a very able, dynamic executive who had achieved much, maybe, if he was sincere, was thinking about the planet, the future, and something such as global warming that is of intense interest. It's the biggest story in the world for your generation, Aaron, for example, and my own children and grandchildren's generation. That's painting himself into a corner. So it won't encourage others, will it, in the fossil fuel business, in the oil business, to paint themselves into a corner. Well, on that, I would say that I don't necessarily think that Looney's ambitions were environmental. I think they were more pragmatic, that the future of energy was renewables rather than the future of the planet was at stake. Right. Um, So I think there's that element to it that, you know, this this is an oil man. You know, he's that's that's how he came up. He didn't suddenly kind of have a realization and think you wouldn't maybe you would, but I think most people would leave BP if they if they felt it was a, a moral or a yes. an ethical decision. The the feeling is that the, the future of energy is renewables and BP's big enough to go first. Yes. That, that's sort of the that's where you get the the metal to make these big things. But you know, it's events. Russia yeah. invades, invades Ukraine. Yes. Price of a barrel of oil is is five or six times what it was when you take over. You have to get more oil out. That's how you make money. Um, another thing with BP, I suppose, in the last while, uh, and all major oil companies, is that to keep investors sweet, they've had to pay out fairly chunky dividends. Yes. So you you question the commitment to inv- reinvesting the money from high carbon initiatives such as oil exploration into renewables if in the middle you need to wash a lot of it out um, on side streams to the shareholders. So you're losing that cash to keep them sweet, to keep the share price up so you can stay on. Um, it, it seems that there's, the, there's as always, you know, there's the market forces. If your investors are unhappy with you, it, it doesn't matter if you have the best idea in the world, you're out. Yeah, and there's a really telling line in your piece yesterday And it goes as follows, and I quote, After all, influential U.S. investors have no truck with an oil man peddling climate concerns. (laughs) That's about it, is it? It is. And I think that the other aspect of this is that there's no doubt that Looney 
broke the rules and that he he had to go under the you know the rules that BP have in their code of conduct and all those yeah. things. That seems to be, you know, there doesn't seem to be any question over that. But you would have to wonder that if BP was returning the the two hundred or so percent that Exxon is returning to its shareholders' yes. share, would the board be brave enough to get rid of the chief executive who was doing that? Right. If the share price, you know, if if he basically he he ran out of road a bit and he didn't have enough cover. Now that's not to say that he didn't deserve to. Sorry, deserve anything. He resigned off his own bat, but maybe he he wouldn't have resigned if there was if there was more support from him in the investor base. Yeah, it's a story, really, of our time, Aaron. And I just want to ask you a final question about when we see the machinations in this story, the considerations. Where does it leave politicians <laughs> who are supposed to be? You know, regulating all of this, devising policies to manage all of this, it doesn't look sort of very promising, does it? No. You would have to say that most of the, the big climate policies, the ambitious, ambitious climate policies of the last while has been disrupted by the Russian invasion of Ukraine, um, the cost of living crisis that is sort of a result of that as well, where are people really willing to pay high, higher prices for, for their meat um, and dairy products because farmers are going to have to put the prices up to meet climate ambitions? Yes. It seems to be that there's a sense, I think, in Europe, we're seeing a lot of protests, a lot of anger. Um, and, and I mean, a point on the, on the BP um, thing as well and why Looney became something of, you know, sort of there was really gleeful reporting of the sun yes. called an eco-Looney. There's really gleeful yeah. reporting of BP's, of the BP chief executive's downfall because there's a pushback against the, the net zero ambitions of the current yes. conservative government. We, we saw that in the by-elections with the, the ULSs, the ultra-low emission yes. zones. This is a really, there seems to be in Britain at the moment or in British politics at the moment it's not climate denialism. It's nothing like that. But there seems to be a sense that the the British government's ambitions to to reduce the emissions is is not compatible with the cost of living crisis. And yes. people are kind of going, "Why would I pay for?" As you said, it's the most important um, thing for future generations. Yes, I think when people are doing their grocery shopping, they might not be considering future future generations. They might just yeah. think, "I was paying," you know two-thirds of the price for this only a few months ago. You need something to blame. And maybe it's your, go you know, maybe you go and blame your government for their climate policies. Yeah, and uh, the kind of moral problems and questions that arise when you think of what happened in Libya last week and all the fires we've seen around the world from California to Spain to wherever. We're going to have a hard time, aren't we, coming to terms with this. Does this Bernard Looney, this rather sad, Bernard Looney story, tell us something about the nature of this. I, th I mean, it does, but no more than the fact that people were still getting on very cheap flights to go to Greece when yeah. there was wildfires in Greece. It, yeah. it, it, there seems to be, it seems to be a period of history that we might look back on as sort of think it was a folly, a lot of the things we're doing. Um, so... Bernard Looney's story as part of it. If we do indeed get to look back on it, I suppose, <laughs> the is point. the problem. That was the next point I was going to make, Aaron. Yeah. It was an excellent piece. 
and one can only have a degree of sympathy for Saluni and indeed for anyone else who wants to stick their head above that particular parapet. Aaron Rogan, Deputy Editor of the Sunday Business Post and Investigative Journalist of the Year. Thank you very much for joining us on the stand. Congratulations on your piece and indeed on your newspaper, which is really very good. Thanks very much. And uh, we're grateful to you. We're grateful to Aaron, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.